Alright. Alright. Getting Whoa. echo. Can you mute your computer? Alrighty, righty, righty. Uh, let's take this off the screen. And let's take this off the screen. And how is everybody doing today? Welcome back to Moon or Bust, your home for all things crypto, NFTs, DeFi at Benzinga. Ryan, we have a special announcement on today's show, something that is pretty near and dear to our hearts. Uh, very excited for that. Make sure everybody stays tuned. Uh, but we're going to talk about some other stuff first. Uh, Ryan, you have any opening thoughts for the day? What, what projects are you looking at? Um, and I want to know in the chat too. Drop the projects you're looking at in the comments below. Logan, I have Kali on my mind. We have an icy episode coming up, tokenizing luxury goods as nfts on the blockchain really exciting stuff but before we get into the interview we did some research we found some cool things happening in crypto this week we're going to talk about sbts because nfts are going down sbts aren't out yet so they're not going down but there's a lot of innovation there what the heck is sbt it's a soul bound token doesn't that sound interesting how am i supposed to buy Bind my soul to the blockchain? Uh, that's essentially what they do, yes. We will get into that first. Then hopefully we can get an explainer on Lens Protocol. I know you just interviewed Ave on Lens Protocol last week at Permissionless. That'll be pretty exciting. Got some funny tweets to show. And a couple updates on some crypto airdrops coming up this summer for Layer 2 Summer. We coined that term on the show. You heard it here <laughs> first. But lots of airdrops coming up. That should be pretty exciting stuff. Uh, but let's get into Soulbound Tokens. Let me pull up the tweet. Right, I found a, a Before good we get into Soulbound Tokens, I'm going to run the intro. Stay tuned. Smash the like. You already know what it is. All right, Ryan, tell me what the heck is a soul bound token? That sounds scary and dangerous at the same time. Uh, could you clear this up for me a little bit? Yep, I'm sharing my screen now, but essentially what a soul bound token is, uh, coined SBT is an NFT that can be sent into your crypto wallet, into a soul, so uh, essentially a crypto wallet that you can't transfer out. So a lot of people say NFTs will be used for IDs, NFTs will be used for your resume, you know, IDs can, or NFTs can be used for all these different things that show your identity. But there's a big problem with that in that NFTs can be sent from wallet to wallet so you know i graduate from the university of michigan i have my degree from there as an nft then i could just send that nft to someone else all of a sudden they are a michigan graduate so they will not be <laughs> issuing <laughs> nfts out uh for those degrees maybe they will once sbts become a thing though so let's dig into this thread uh by pastry eth really interesting stuff uh Logan, i did take over your screen share there sorry about that i wanted to have it oh, a little good. bit bigger little bit full more full screen because there's a lot going down here um one last thing one quick thing before we dive into this thread uh this idea is not entirely new there was a concept uh very similar to this before called non-transferable tokens basically nfts that are non-transferable so you can't just send somebody your degree like ryan just said but vitalik uh, just published a paper about this topic, but with a different name, Soulbound Tokens. All right, Ryan, sorry for the interruption. Keep Logan, it going. I'm interested if you know, can POAPs be sent between wallets? Because that seems like it could be a potential problem and maybe they need to be SBTs. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Maybe they already are, but we can take a look into that later. Let's let's dive into this thread, though. Okay, yeah, so pastry.eth, they got into SBTs with a few problems in crypto today. So users still need to verify collections with centralized platforms like OpenSea. That's a big problem we've seen in the NFT space because OpenSea is centralized. I consider them more of a Web2 company that leverages Web3 technologies. Um, there's also a lack of social scores. So reputation on the blockchain, you can think about maybe credit here. When you want to get credit on the blockchain, you have to post collateral. Uh, so maybe I go in with one Bitcoin to Aave and I take out maybe 15000 dollars so that's not very capital efficient um, and potentially SBTs could solve this also custodial wallets are still dominant that's a big problem for both SBTs NFTs and crypto most people use coinbase or crypto.com or a centralized platform to hold their funds 
Um, another one that was pretty interesting is voting rights go to the highest bidder. So we see this with governance tokens. You can buy up governance tokens and then be able to vote on the protocol's future. So, I mean, that's pretty interesting, right? If we can use SBTs uh, to vote on different protocols instead of tokens, it might level the playing field a bit. Digging more into this thread, let's see. Here's a cool one, Ryan. Uh, a single user can make multiple wallets and get more voting power, right? This is like uh, what's called a Sybil attack when it comes to airdrops. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, but this is another way we could avoid these Sybil attacks. If these wallets needed to have a soulbound token uh, with a certain credibility level, that way you couldn't just make a bunch of new wallets. They wouldn't have that credibility on their soulbound token. So it would fix this problem of Sybil attacks in the airdrop space. Also, uh, within the DAO space, people will take too much voting power by making more wallets. Uh, basically, it's a way to attach a reputation uh, with a standard, right? There's a lot of reputation protocols out there. There's a lot of identity protocols out there, uh, but this is a, an anonymous and standardized way to check if something is valid or not. Kind of like an NFT, it is just a canvas. You can do whatever you want with it. It's up to the programmer or the creator of these tokens, uh, but they can't be transferred and they are all about reputation. Do you think it's important to have something standardized for this use case on Ethereum, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's important. I think a really good point that Pastry makes in this thread is that we need to establish provenance in some way. Um, and an example that they use is with NFT collections. Somebody could use a burner wallet, issue out NFTs, and it's not attached to their identity. So then they could maybe rug pull the collection um, or be malicious. With SBTs, that's not really the case. It's attached to their identity. So I think that's a really cool use case. Definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, but I have no idea when these are coming out. But I mean, Better to be prepared before they launch than afterward, right? Yeah, most definitely. So maybe we will take a look at some Sybil attacks, where these will come in handy. Uh, in the example of the Optimism airdrop, uh, Ryan, catch us up to speed on that one, please. Yeah, so we talked about the Optimism airdrop when they announced it a few weeks back on the show, but it's a pretty interesting airdrop uh, because it's not just if you've used the platform, you get airdrop tokens. Uh, it's distributed in a pretty interesting way based on the applications you've used on Optimism. So I got a couple of them, not all of them. I got the Optimism user. So anybody who used Optimism can claim this airdrop coming up pretty soon here. Um, and then I also got a repeat Optimism user. So I think you had to use Optimism for four weeks straight, at least once a week. And then I, I think I was able to claim around 1700 tokens from that and just by using uh, optimism i got about 700 more um, but all in all if you were really active you know you were voting in in DAOs and a couple other different qualifications you could get up to about 25,000 tokens uh, which is pretty huge and i think it's really interesting that they're issuing tokens out in this way uh, because they're giving their most devote users the most tokens uh, instead of just giving everybody the same amount or maybe doing it by trading volume like we saw with looks rare they gave out air the airdrop based on how much you've traded on OpenSea. Uh, but what's interesting is just the other day, Optimism tweeted out that they recovered, I think it was, oh, I don't want to say the number, but it was like hundreds of thousands or millions of tokens from Cybel attacks. Uh, so people. 14 million tokens. 14 million. So a ton. And this actually increased everybody's airdrop by about 15%. So these people that created a bunch of wallets with the same identity trying to farm this airdrop uh, were caught and they're not getting the airdrop. And instead of just giving it back to the Optimism Foundation, they're giving it back to the users, which, which I think is pretty cool to see. Here we have the list of wallets that were removed and it says a reason for removal. I think this is pretty interesting because imagine if your wallet uh, was on this list and you didn't even realize uh, you know, that there was something going wrong here. Obviously ours probably aren't. Uh, Based on these reasons being L1 and L2 activity, I'm guessing that they would find a wallet sending something to another wallet that had registered for the same airdrop. That way they discounted them. But what if I sent something to you and then they blocked one of our wallets? That would not be cool. 
Also in the same space right now, Velodrome is doing an airdrop. They just announced it the other day. This is one of the leading DEXs on Optimism. I actually haven't heard of them, uh, but I heard of them on Twitter just this morning because I saw they were launching an airdrop. And they're actually airdropping their token out to all of the Optimism users. Uh, so hopefully we'll be getting that airdrop as well. Something that was really interesting about Velodrome is they're giving out NFTs for governance tokens. So we've heard Vitalik say before, coin governance sucks. So they're trying something new using NFTs. NFTs and they're giving the Optimism Foundation an NFT that represents 5% voting share. So I think that's interesting that they're separating out their fungible token and their governance token using an NFT. That is interesting, Ryan. And I just checked. I'm safe. You might be on this list, uh, but hopefully not. Hopefully no. we'll still get our airdrops. I, I checked this morning and I, I had 2,300 tokens to claim and now I have 2,450. So an extra 150 tokens from these cyber attackers. A lot of people upset about airdrops here. It doesn't really make sense to me. That tweet's pretty funny. Do take, you see it? take what you can get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor guy, man. Yo, the Pokemon Go days. This dude was definitely the, the master trainer. He probably caught them all. Um, all right. What else do we have to talk about today, Ryan? I know we had some pretty interesting things on the list. Maybe some NFTs. Maybe some other projects. Maybe uh, we talk about some collectibles for first time. Yeah, I wanted to announce that Arbitrum Odyssey is actually delayed to mid-June. We covered this one, too, a couple weeks back, and we're planning on going through on the show, showing you exactly how to get this airdrop, because it's announced beforehand. Everybody watching can get this airdrop uh, through the course of seven weeks. You have to use certain applications, but we'll keep you up to date. We'll show you which crypto wallets to use, which protocols to interact with, and exactly what to do to get this airdrop. And this is another interesting one, because they're not airdropping fungible tokens out as governance tokens. They're, they're dropping nfts instead and people are speculating that these nfts will give you access to the actual token airdrop uh, but that's yet to be confirmed so stay tuned for that all right ryan there is one piece of nft news left uh maybe we talk about the goblins for a quick second just in case and <laughs> who did that there's probably about 10 people in the audience right now that picked up on what the hell i was just doing uh but this skit was pretty funny saw it on twitter uh, gave me a good laugh. Let's Hold play on. it. I need to add the Chrome tab. Ryan, can you give us a quick background real quick so this doesn't confuse <laughs> all uh, 50 people who haven't heard it? Yeah, sure. So Goblin Town is a really new NFT collection and they did a free mint. I'm not exactly sure when they launched, but it was just a week or two ago and they've picked up huge steam on Twitter. They have a really interesting brand. This explains the brand pretty well. Uh, so much utility, yeah. locked in partnerships. We've been working on this thing for months. I mean, we've checked all the boxes. Why is our floor tanking? We're not going to make it. Yo, what's up, champ? What's going on, K-Money? Hey, uh, I th it's almost nine o'clock. I think we got to get going on our roadmap and utility. Let's Let's do it. I'm ready, man. Gary Pisa. All right, that's about all I can take of that. Uh, I did. I did see an actual clip of that Twitter space that they were joking about, uh, and it was that bad. I can confirm it was that bad. There is, uh, you know, zero utility that I've seen other than. Um, those noises for this project. So that's what I'm going to be staying away from uh, personally. But let us know if you've heard about it in the comments. Uh, right below that like button, which I know you already annihilated. Um, Ryan, maybe we take a look at OpenSea. We have about 15 minutes till the interview. Maybe we talk about, uh, you know, sneakers, collectibles, a little bit different type of alternative investment than we normally do. Uh, what are you feeling right now? Uh, have you used Lens Protocol at all? I'm curious because I know you got your handle. They launched their beta just last week. That could be cool to look a little bit more into. Uh, but if you want to you know, get acquainted with the platform first, maybe we do a deeper dive next week. Uh, yeah, so the Lens Protocol is a decentralized social media protocol. Um, that being said, it is still just a protocol. There are not very many front-end interfaces that have a good user experience as far as I'm aware. Uh, I probably just haven't looked around enough, uh, but I don't have anything too exciting to show you on the Lens front okay. today. We'll have to check out Lenster because that's the front end that Ave made. That's probably going to be the biggest one if I had to guess. First to market, Ave's making it. Um, so I have no doubt that that should succeed. Yeah, and, and speaking about social digital decentralized identity, speaking about 
uh, blockchain and collectibles. NFTs are kind of like the sneakers we used to invest in back in the days. Would you agree? Yeah, completely. It's all driven by market demand and supply, right? And same way with NFTs. Yeah, I like to think so. And I want to toss this one out to the chat. Um, if there's anybody out there who has experienced trading, uh, you know, sneakers, watches, whatever that might be, if that ended up influencing your, uh, you know, stock market perspective, crypto perspective, definitely drop a comment and let us know. So, Ryan, why are we talking about this today at all? Well, probably because of Kali, right? I mean, we have a really interesting story here based out in Detroit. We used StockX right when it came out and we were hype beasts. We were selling shoes, we were selling clothes back in high school. And that kind of introduced us to the world of investing. I'd say that's really my first exposure to investing was back when little 15-year-old Ryan was selling shoes <laughs> in high school, you know, going at 11 a.m., getting that Supreme drop, reselling it for a buck um, until we got into crypto. So. Uh, maybe we talk about how we actually did get into crypto because our journeys are pretty similar. We started trading together in high school and here we are today at Benzinga. Uh, but my story, I started off, I first heard about Bitcoin back in middle school uh, in a class. I had to bring in a news article. So I brought in a news article about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin was used to transact blood diamonds in Africa. Uh, so lots of legal activity. That was my first exposure to Bitcoin. And that was basically everyone's first exposure to Bitcoin back in 2012, 2013, uh, when I was in middle school. So I really didn't know what to think, but I thought the technology was really interesting. Uh, but I didn't look too much farther into it. What I did was probably a week after I did a presentation on that article, went on the App Store, searched up Bitcoin mining. I wanted to be a Bitcoin miner make some money. Um, and all I found was a, a game that gave me fake Bitcoin. <laughs> so I played that for like two months, got bored of it uh, and kind of forgot about Bitcoin up until I got to high school. Uh, I joined Model UN and I did a presentation on Bitcoin there. So that's when I started really getting interested uh, around 2015, 2016. Um, and eventually I wanted to start investing. You know, around the same time we were selling shoes, we were selling clothes, but we didn't really have a good traditional way to invest. We weren't 18, so we couldn't open up a stock account. Uh, but luckily back in the day, Coinbase was very new. They didn't really KYC their consumers all that well. I think they did to a degree, uh, but they did let miners trade crypto back in the day with my mom's approval. So my mom was <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead, trade some Bitcoin, bought some Bitcoin late 2016. Uh, and the rest is history. You know, I traded some ICOs back in the day. I should have just been a holder. Now I'm an investor. Thought I was a sick trader back in high school, uh, learned my lesson. And then 2018 comes around, bear market hits. I sell my 2003 BMW Z4 I had in high school and bought the dip because I was convicted. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess the rest is history. Logan. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, let me ask you, did your mom have any pushback when you were, you know, 16 years old? Like, hey, mom, I want to start trading Bitcoin. What did she say to that? No, my mom's always been really supportive. She didn't really question it. She didn't know what Bitcoin was. But I mean, Coinbase was legit. I showed her what I was doing. I'm like, I, I need your email. I need you to say that I can <laughs> trade cryptocurrencies, mom. She's like, uh, am I going to get hacked? Like, is this OK? I'm like, no, no, this is all legit. And she believed me, luckily, and I was able to start trading. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, my story is pretty similar. Ryan and I were trading sneakers in high school. Uh, turned that into stock and options trading in college. Uh, was studying computer science. Found my way back to uh, you know crypto technology. Uh, working here at Benzinga, and you know as Brian said, the rest is history. So let's talk about Kali for a second. Maybe a preview of the market. What exists today? So. Uh, you mentioned earlier we were one of the, the first people on StockX, and that was a very profitable time. That resale market was very, very inefficient pre-StockX days, uh, and you could really, really hustle and make a lot more than other people out there. Um, and when StockX came, out, came around, it made it really easy to make a market for these sneakers. Obviously, it was uh, you know, much more unpredictable at first as the entire market was, but StockX found uh, you know, supply and demand for almost their supply and demand equilibrium for almost all of these products that they have uh, out there on their marketplace. So that being said, they verify and authenticate all of the sneakers that go through their facility, even if it's a $50 pair of sneakers, and it probably costs more for them to facilitate the shipping, uh, authenticate the shoes, pay the authenticator, all that time 
all that rent money, all those shipping costs, uh, you know, it's not really scalable. And maybe, just maybe, this is a place where blockchain and Web3 and even NFTs can help us out here, right? So we have Akos from Kali coming on soon. This is a brand new startup. It was announced this morning. We broke the news this morning about this startup and we have the founder on today. A very, very uh, nice, kind, uh, serial founder. Sold his last company to Apple. So make sure you stay tuned for that interview in about five or 10 minutes here. But Ryan, uh, what do you think about NFTs, StockX? How do we scale um, you know, this luxury collectible market uh, while still having the ability to you know, make sure everything that's authenticated is authentic? That's a really interesting question. I think you make a good point that StockX really isn't that scalable. And we've seen that because a lot of people complain they get fake items from StockX these days. I haven't personally experienced that, but it is a problem that we should solve. And I think NFTs could be the way to do that. Now, we might have to authenticate these watches or these handbags the first time they get put on the marketplace. But as soon as there's an NFT attached to that physical item, then there's not really a need to go ahead and verify that an item is real from there on out. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. I think that there's more utility that comes from owning an NFT of your physical items. I, I feel like there's a cultural shift of flexing digital items. We see this with Board Ape Yacht Club, with Doodles, and with most NFTs today. So you get these traditional people, maybe a little bit older than us, and they spend $100,000 on a watch or $200,000 on a watch, or maybe you spent $30,000 on a Birkin bag. And you can only flex that to the people that actually see it in real life. Maybe they get a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out, that they can't flex digitally. So that seems like an incentive to me, at least, yeah. to be able to tokenize your collection of high-end watches, high-end handbags, and put that on the blockchain. And that can be part of your digital identity, just like Board Ape Yacht Club or just like Doodles is for your profile picture, um, but all in one place on a marketplace like Kali. Yeah, I think a lot of big watch collectors might look at NFTs uh, and just see silly JPEGs, but when they realize that they can flex their watch collection, their authentic watch collection to the entire world publicly online through NFTs, boom, sign me up, right? Tokenize these real world collectibles, please and thank you. I want more clout. I want more on-chain flexing, all that type of stuff. Uh, we got a comment here from Lord Byron. Kevin O'Leary is all about this use case. Um, it's definitely a huge, huge potential market. I mean, we see the size of StockX, we see the volume of StockX, but we also see the mistakes of StockX. So fingers crossed, Kali will be able to provide a solution for this market. Uh, very interesting space regardless, and Akosh is uh, brilliant and interesting and will be a great guest for us today. Ryan, this is a special episode of Moon or Bust, so I got you a present. Seriously? Yeah, dude, it's watch-related too. Is it a watch? It, yeah, it's a watch. No, All no right, way. so if we could zoom in a little bit here. For Ryan, I got this uh, brand new Audemars Piguet Royal Oak Offshore. Uh, it's a limited edition, uh, and I want you to have it. Bro, are you serious? Yeah, 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 take it, man. It's for you. Really? Yeah. You, you can have it. Wow. Wait, what, do you, a, what do you think? Is this fake? Dude. Yeah, this looks fake. Dude, no, it's not It's not fake. Why, I, would, I wouldn't do that, dude. Even... I would not buy you a fake watch. Dude, this looks fake. Dude, I promise it's not fake. Dude, I'm going to check Etherscan. I'm looking on the blockchain. Dude, you can't look on the blockchain yet. Well, I'll have Kali figure out if it's real or not in a few months when they launch. All right, so until then... You're going to have to assume that this watch is real, so you're very welcome. Uh, I will take a uh, return gift of equal or greater value um, next week, so make sure you do some shopping this weekend. Uh, um, all right, that was a fun little bit, uh, but this just proves the, the point here is that these physical collectibles are a lot harder to authenticate than digital collectibles. It's one of the big points of NFTs that we've been saying over and over and over and over again. NFTs are canvases for ownership and authenticity. Ryan, what do you think? I think that watch is fake and you're a fake friend. I'm, <laughs> I'm mad. I would head out right now. I would walk straight out if Akosh wasn't joining us <laughs> with his wife Shanti in just a few minutes. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, man. I could not afford the real one, but I wanted to do something nice for you. So I went to Chinatown in New York City. And I got you a $50 fake Audemars Piguet. It's, Please don't judge me too much. Honestly, it's the best you can do in a bear market. I appreciate <laughs> the thought. Bear market things right here. Uh, you know, nobody would really even be able to tell until Kali, you know, starts adding these NFTs. What do you think about putting an NFC chip into watches? You could just tap your phone, boom, authentic. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good idea, and it might even be necessary to do. Because what I'm thinking right now is I go on Kali, I NFT a real watch. What's stopping me from trying to sell a, a fake watch to somebody with the real NFT and then just keep the real watch, get it appraised by somebody at a watch store, and then sell it to someone else? Definitely. And, and even these watch stores aren't all perfect, right? We see StockX making mistakes. We see everybody making mistakes. Um, so a tool like this uh, and a system built around it, right? That's the key thing here uh, for this to scale. They need to have a good system and they need to target a certain segment of the market. Um, you know, Ryan and I have had a lot of background in this space. Uh, and so when we heard about NFTs and, and, you know, watches on chain, marketplace for those, we were a little bit skeptical, I would say at first. Uh, you know, we wanted to learn more about what this project does, how Akko sees this, this future product working. Uh, and a key that really made it click for me is that this system is based on trust, almost like a soulbound token, bringing it back to the top of the episode, it, it kind of has this non-transferable and reputation-based asset, or that's kind of the goal of these assets, I would say. It's almost a soul-bound token. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it sounds spooky, right? Go back to the beginning of the episode. We talked about soul-bound tokens uh, and what those mean for loans, uh, other parts of DeFi, and even here, I think it makes sense. Yeah, reputation is definitely super important. And we see that in Web2 marketplaces too. Like on Grailed, you can get things authenticated really fast if you're a good seller that sells thousands of items. And people trust you. They go to your profile. They see you have 2,000 things listed. You have 1,000 reviews. And then you feel really comfortable buying something from them. You know it'll be a smooth transaction. You know the item will be legit. So I'm excited to see how that transitions into Web3 with Kali. Yeah, I am too. And as soon as we started talking about watches, the chat is blowing up. Uh, so if you, if you guys are fans of watches out here, this is a perfect episode for you. Please uh, drop a comment. Let us know your favorite piece. Kindred says watches are all about the inner workings. Exactly, right? Uh, and that's why that doesn't really mean that much. It might look like the real thing, but it is indeed from Chinatown. Bro, it's missing three screws in the back. <laughs> that's a giveaway that, right there. That might be a giveaway. Uh, for, for this piece in particular, we, we might not need to use the blockchain. <laughs> but for the rest of the market, blockchain provides huge advantages for people out there who want to showcase and trade their collectibles. This is what Kali is all about. I see we have Akos and Shanteva backstage. I'm going to play the intro clip we made for them. And when we come back, we will start the interview. So hope you guys enjoy this. Another reminder, make sure to smash the like button uh, and we will get right into it. Here we go. Hey, 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 how is it going? Hi. Hi, how are you guys? We are doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to switch up the camera settings right here. Hopefully, this will make it so we can see everyone. All right, perfect. Akos, Shanteva, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We are thrilled to have you on to learn more about your announcement. So I will just let you kick it off. We have warmed up the audience. We've been talking about sneakers. We've been talking about watches, StockX, uh, digital identity, the whole, the whole spectrum. So Akos, I'll turn it over to you. What is Kali? Why did you decide to start another company? Thank you so much for having us today. It's really an exciting times. We would love to introduce ourselves first, then talk about the project. So 
little bit from my background. I was born and raised in Budapest, Hungary. I'm coming from a traditional Jewish family. My grandma was a Holocaust survivor, and in her whole life, she always told me that you have to have something small, collectible, and probably valuable. If something goes wrong in the world, you may be able to take it with you, and that, that's going to provide you some kind of safety or securities. She passed away two years ago. She was 98, and it's still in my mind why she told me always those things. So that's how I came out with the idea, or we came out with the idea to try to help people to get into the digital world with their traditional collectibles. Yes. Um, a little bit about myself. My name is Shanti. Um, I was born and raised in Germany, but I'm originally from Ghana. Um, we moved here like almost five years ago. We're in Miami now. And um, I recently graduated with a master's in psychology. So that is also what I'm focusing on at college, just understanding the psychology of NFTs and our buying behaviors in Web3 and kind of what entices uh, consumers to engage in Web3 platforms. So, so about Cola. Cola is coming from the world of collection and in, in French it means stick or bond something together. So imagine, guys, we are bonding physical assets, goods, into the NFT world. We love NFTs. We are collectors by ourselves. We understand digital art. We love music. And we, we strongly believe NFT is changing and will provide a better future for all of us. And of course, for that, we need the, the platforms and we also need the blockchains. So how are we going to build that? How are we going to put all those together into the physical world and to the to the luxury markets. So we were wondering, how about if we are building up a platform where users can trade, bid or buy any kind of pre-owned or new or new luxury goods backed by NFTs. So so Kohli is all about a marketplace, which is a transition from Web two to Web three, where people easily find their beauties. Akos, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. Sorry, were you finished? No, I'm fine. Okay, well, thank you for, for both of you for sharing those incredible backstories with us and introducing Kali and this marketplace solution. So, uh, you know, we talked about the physical items. We talked about the NFTs. How do you bring these two worlds together in a way that solves problems the current marketplaces are facing? Um, so we believe that, you know, with the marketplaces that we have, especially on Web2 platforms, um, like sellers do not really have any say, really. Um, they feel like they are never heard or they don't have um, protection by these platforms. So we were thinking... Um, also, fraud activity is still very high, unfortunately. So NFT is really like the best solution for digital authenticity. And this is why we were thinking, okay, um, people are not really ready for a fully decentralized platform, but we are kind of guiding them, making this process of minting NFTs um, educational and just helping people to understand what they can actually do. Uh, with Web3 and crypto and blockchain. And you mentioned uh, traditional Web2 companies, but do you consider Kali a Web2 company that's leveraging Web3 technology or do you see Kali as a fully decentralized Web3 application? Yes, yeah, so ultimately our goal is to be fully decentralized and this is also why we are working on um, a system that is just going to have like a network effect where we are inviting members by invite only so that they can actually trust one another and fully act peer to peer. So we will essentially just serve as the platform where people can trade uh, luxury goods. That sounds great, but there's already platforms out there. What are some of the reasons why people might want to tokenize their asset collection? Uh, and, and how do you bootstrap or kickstart this high luxury marketplace? Yes. Imagine like Web3 platform merged together with something which is all about NFTs. 
Imagine when you just log into a mobile application or into a website where you will see the gifts or the beautiful items which we were always hunting. It's like a gift economy. People still want to find on the traditional way. On the traditional way, how sellers were connecting to the buyers. So what we are building up is a trust-based community where you can make sure that the seller and the buyer is known, so they are verified, as well as the goods are authenticated. So the way we worked out or working on the system is where everybody feels safe and secure. Uh, Shanti mentioned that there are problems in the Web3 world. It's growing together with us. It's something new. We are living in Miami where everybody is talking about NFTs, Web3 and crypto. We love the energies, but it's an educational time. We are all learning how we can trust each other, how we can build a community where people really know the, the others. Uh, as, a, as, a, as an example, I would love to, to go back a little bit of history. Probably you guys are young, so your elderly, when they went out shopping for something, anything, daily goods, they went to the same shops, they went to the same markets, they knew what's what where they can find the best product and the best best sellers and that's what we want to bring today to web3 and you ask if it's a web2 or it's a web3 platform we'd like to have the old traditional way how people could log in besides the digital wallet connections because not everybody is well aware of how to connect the digital wallets as well as mm -hmm. not everybody is well aware of how you can pay with cryptos so our platform will give the opportunity to the buyers to use traditional currencies and as a traditional login way and probably with the with how we are building and growing customers will be educated enough to learn how to use the web3 system in the future and i i can't express enough it's all about communities we are avid mm. collectors all our friends are collectors uh, i love watches i love beautiful pants women's probably they love more about handbags <laughs> handbags or jewelry so so the the products and and the goods we we are aiming to to sell it's 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 a huge market we talk about like a 300 billion dollar market and and cola has a great chance to catch the today's hype where people want to turn everything to web3 very interesting so uh, Coach, I'm wondering what it's like to be married to your co-CEO. How do you guys manage your responsibilities and how does that dynamic work? Hmm? You want to answer on that? I guess what works <laughs> is that we are very clear on our um, task. Like I'm more the, you know, behind the scenes and doing the research and uh, coming up with all the organizational stuff. And Akush is more like the visionaire and like business stuff that i do not like <laughs> he will take over so yeah i, I love your question you know we are different in several ways uh, i'm a serial entrepreneur this is my fifth business in my life we are coming we are both coming from europe but from a totally different background, background a different business culture the transition for us was was really tough Everybody think in Europe, America is a great country, land of opportunity, easy to achieve goals. Americans are working very hard. And probably our future and our platform is going to help the customers to be really comfortable. Just imagine if you wanted to buy a nice watch, you went to the antique shops, you went to the resellers. Right now, you just log in, you search for your item in your sofa, and you will have the same opportunity as you would have gone to a traditional shop, like a brick and mortar shop. So working together is, I would say, is sometimes challenging uh, because we see things in a different way. But that's what's going to bring us further because we have all kind of divers and all kind of customers whom we are aiming to to reach and and touching their hearts with the products and with the platform itself. Uh, probably it's a long sentence, but I, I can't express enough that the system which we are working has to be easy to use, safe, 
where people are just like, okay, let's browse, let's find an item. Oh, let's check who is the seller. Oh, this seller already sold a red Birkin bag, or this seller already sold a nice watch. Oh, so he's he's maybe flexing his collection. So we know who is the guy. Yes. Let's buy something from them. I guess the beauty of us is just that we are so different and we are looking at different target markets, kind of. Like, I'm a little bit younger. I understand, like, online shops and just the whole e-commerce thing. And Aki's more like, you know, he has, like, friends that are collectors for years. So he understands that aspect. So I guess that's the beauty of us being so different. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of trust that goes into that relationship and there's a lot of trust that goes into these large luxury sales. Can we talk about how trust is a fundamental part of your app? Yes. You wanna start? <laughs> you, I can start. Uh, the way how we approach the business is, probably it's, it's not like traditional way. Uh, we are already working on on onboarding marketers, individual collectors. So we are talking to the right guys who understand the market. We wanna have people and we wanna have retailers or department stores on the platform who are having multiply number of products and they great experiences about the authenticity and about appraisals. Of course, we're going to have in-house appraisal services and authentication process if needed. But it's really breaking up the decentralization. What we are really aiming is to have a platform where the physical goods or their NFTs are really showing what the product is about, where the buyers can see what about the product, what about the quality, what about their, let's say, serial number, if we talk about a watch? And they can be sure that they are not going to have a bad surprise when they're going to get the UPS shipment. We are taking care of the logistic, of course. And our goal is to have peer-to-peer -peer logistics. So imagine, guys, you want to buy a blue face watch and you find the seller and you click bid or buy and we are taking care of the logistics and, of course, on the insurance as well. That is an incredibly useful tool uh, to really bring trust into the fold. There we are. Um, and it also, trust is also a big mechanic for blockchain, right? It's the reason you want to use NFTs to begin with, because you can trust that this NFT is one, authentic, and two, the owner is legit, right? So what blockchain did you decide to launch this app on if you've made a final decision yet, or if you're playing around with a few in your head, uh, maybe explain these selections and why. Mm -hmm. I love your question, Logan. So we'd love to be on Ethereum. It's premium, people trust. Even there were some issues some times ago with gas fees, but that's number one. Of course, we are negotiating and talking to other chains too, because if possible, we'd like to be a multi-chain. But the main issue is you have to be vis visible somewhere. People have to find the, the way to track and Ethereum is, is giving us the, the real transparency. And even it's probably a bit more expensive on gas phase. So when you are going to mint, you spend a little bit more. But we are talking about expensive goods. We already made some business feasibilities. And we are aiming on an average goods value between three to $5,000 to start. And then later on, probably ten to fifteen. Of course, depends on the products. So... Compared to that, the gas fee will be, I would say, not that expensive. And if you guys are following, and I'm sure you are, because that's why we are talking, the, the other great NFT platforms, and we talk about digital art, we talk about uh, collections. They are all, the big ones are on ETH. And we know the, we know the reason why. Akosh, I'm curious what the process is for tokenizing luxury goods on Kali. And as a follow-up, do you think that retailers will tokenize their products directly in the future? And if so, how do you plan to adapt to that? So to answer your la last question, um, yes, they are already like we hear that, especially luxury brands are already trying to find ways to kind of profit off of their products, even like in the resale market. So um this is why we think even color is going to be even more useful because um, 
people do not want to pay for royalties for Rolex, for example. So they will go to a like pre-loved or resale platform where you know it's more regulated and it's not like uh, orchestrated by these big luxury brands. And then the first question. <laughs> the first question was, I think we forgot the question. So you need to help us out, Ryan. <laughs> What's the process of tokenizing these collectibles? We got, we got two processes. Number one, if the if the seller is well aware of how to mint or how to create an NFT, we're just going to provide them the platform. If the sellers need help, we are there to help. We are educating them how to process it. Even if they want, they can send us the goods or we're going to pick up the goods and we're going to make the, the NFT about the product. But in long term, we want the sellers to create their own NFTs. And of course, on, on the smart contract, there will be all the information which is going to give the certainty about the product for the buyers. Uh, I think NFT is going to be something for all of us. Like, like 10 years ago was, or 20 years ago, a fax machine. We use fax machines. So we use emails like every day in, every, in our everyday life. NFT will be something similar to that. It will be there, even we can't handle because it's on the chain, but it will be always next to us. We are seeing the trends here in Miami and also in the world, how many NFT projects are on and what kind of subjects or what kind of products are behind the NFTs. So I believe that's the future. That's what we love about, about Web3. We'd love to learn a little bit more about the Miami culture, but first, uh, I'd love to hear more about your go-to-market strategy. How do you scale this? Are you buying collectibles? What does that look like? Um, so the beauty of Kali is that we are not taking anyone's inventory. Um, we are just offering them an alternative platform that is more innovative and modernized and web free. Um, so we are now onboarding marketers that have like maybe traditional auction houses that are not very familiar with NFT and Web3. And um, they are especially excited because this just brings in a new wave of consumers and like more modern, modern people that understand like the fast pace of, you know, Web3 and understand that, uh, you know, we buy all these luxury uh, items, but like next season we want something else and we might not be able to afford it. So the best way is to just kind of trade it in, on a safe platform with different people that you already know. So um, these marketers, they are very excited about us offering just like an alternative uh, for them, for their exposure. And then also power sellers that are already known on other platforms. Um, We're talking to them, kind of getting in their opinions and what they are lacking so that we can do it better at Kali. Shanti, you oh. mentioned trades. I want to, sorry, Akos, I just want to hear real quick. Are we going to be able to trade NFTs one for one? Yes. So we are working on that. That's why Aki mentioned like a gift economy system kind of. So we are kind of looking into maybe if I have a red Chanel bag and someone else has a blue one, we can kind of maybe trade um, hmm. just bag for bag or item for item. So we are looking into the options, yes. With the NFT. Cool. And you asked about Miami and I love the question. We just met on a, on a conference like a week ago in person. Miami is all about the vibe, the diversity, the great weather, and people are working very, very hard here. What we see in the in the tech scene, the inbound or the immigration to Miami from all over the world as well as from other states, it's insane. Real estate prices are skyrocketing, <laughs> restaurants are full. Traffic is sometimes big, but it's the place to build tech. And if you guys are talking to the real big tech players as well as the investors whom we are negotiating daily, they all say Miami is the place. Uh, that's why we are here. So everybody's asking us, how often are you guys going to the beach? We wish to be there more often, but we have no time. We are working here. And, and, and if I can refer, I can't wait you guys to be spending more time here with the crypto people. So Logan and Ryan, come, come more often. Yes, because everyone can... is very welcoming here, like very 
trying to help, you know, you can really feel like there's a community here. That's nice. That's nice. And, and sorry, sorry, one more word. It's not only the community, also the wealth is here. And we are basically targeting the wealthy customers. So now I'm sure you guys put together the picture why we are here and why we are developing here. Mm -hmm. So Shanteva, I want to get your take. Being based in Miami, you're at the we center of you. all things crypto. Uh, are you, can you guys hear me okay? Ryan, did you oh, uh, no. bump the button on your microphone maybe? Where is it? Are you able to hear me? Yeah, just... We can't hear you. Okay, and I can't hear me either. Uh, do we have a producer in the background real quick? Can you guys hear me okay from my laptop? Bear with us for just one second. Uh, would you re refresh the thing, Spencer? Now we hear you. Well, we hear Logan. Oh, you can hear us now? Yeah. The the, okay. the last question by Ryan we didn't get. It was just, just silent. All right. It seems like we're back now. Um, Ryan, you want to Sorry about that. Yeah, Shanteva, I wanted to get your take. Uh, being based in Miami, you guys are at the center of all things crypto. What's it like building a Web3 startup specifically in Miami? It's exciting because I feel like everyone comes here and it's like eager to learn and like kind of grow together. So like sometimes you'll go to an event and people are like, so what is NFT? <laughs> like, please explain it to me. So they are very much eager to learn and understand. And yeah, I guess the nice thing is that no one is, um, we're all new in it. So we're all like trying to help each other, like, you know, hey, talk to this guy. I feel like he could help or she could help. So, I need I need to mention the mayor, mayor of Miami, oh, yes. Mr. Suarez. He he's the greatest greatest mayor ever. <laughs> he got more more people moved here in the past two years than in in the past fifteen years before. And it's yes. all about tech. It's all about crypto. Miami is crypto fan friendly, Web three friendly. So. We, we strongly believe that's the place to be. Shanteva, I'd like to get your perspective on this one. What obstacles does Web3 need to overcome to encourage diverse talent in crypto? And being a black woman yourself, do you find the industry welcoming right now? And what needs to be changed, if anything? I do think that the industry is welcoming. Um, I would like to see more um, diverse people actually, you know, taking the leap and trusting like that this is like, something new that we could all kind of be part of. And yeah, I do think like as a black woman, um, especially like with this whole decentralization, it's like everyone has a voice now. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how we are actually going to leverage it and kind of take, like, participate in Web3 and blockchain, crypto and all that good stuff. Yeah, I definitely think that NFTs are helping increase the diversity in crypto because NFTs could be anything, right? Whereas most exactly. tokens is finance and finance is typically a male dominated industry. Exactly. Akos, I'd love to tap into your background as an entrepreneur. This is what your fourth, fifth or sixth company you sold the last one to uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I won't say it, but you've had a very successful entrepreneurial career. Uh, and I would just love to learn more about that and what lessons you're taking into this new project. I appreciate your question. So our latest project was a hardware software related startup where we were working together with one of the most major cell phone or cell phone designer company based in Cupertino. And we were super successful. We designed a, a, a device which was super unique. We had some issues due COVID. So basically, we are selling the technology, so the IP. And then we were just pivoted to the, probably to the way how we see ourselves in the new world. Hardware is great, and we loved hardware. But software is eating the world. And Web3 is probably going to change how we see softwares in our everyday life. And before that, I was mostly active in, in Europe and in the Middle East in different fields. I love to scale and sold businesses. And that was, that was my whole life. I was always an entrepreneur. And that's what I enjoy, building, scaling, and bringing values. 
So my main goal in life and in business, creating culture, creating values, giving opportunities to people to enjoy what we are offering to them. Because at the end of the day, the most important is happy client. If the clients are happy or the users are happy, then we are all happy. And and happiness is, is probably it's hard to hard to describe, but in the Web3 world and in luxury items, it's already a it's already a niche part of the world. So I believe that that's the future, and that's how people will find their friends, their their pairs, their new collections. And Logan, when we were talking earlier, and we were talking about sneakers, you mentioned people love to show off their collections. And show off, I'm not saying it's a bad way. I'm saying that I've, I would love to show what I have. And the, the question if I'm going to show with my name or just behind the blockchain, but that's mm. the opportunity. And that's what's bringing the community all together. That is great. So I want to toss it out to the Benzinga community. If you have any questions for Akos or Shanti, please drop them in the chat right now, right below that like button. Uh, and the now question for either or both of you, what scares you the most about the next year of Kali? Scary? <laughs> I don't think anything is like really scary. It's just like, I guess the uncertainty of Web3 in general, it's like, how is it going to go? Are people going to, you know, understand it or be willing to actually engage in it? So I guess the scary thing is that we are kind of like the first to um, tap into it. So we have like the um, task to educate people and kind of let them see that there is a need for it. So that's going to be tough, I guess. But it's not scary. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, and that's a part of the go-to-market because you guys were asking about the go-to-market. And our go-to-market strategy is, is basically we are working together with brand ambassadors and we are already negotiating with top athletes in the United States. Our first market is the States. Then we'd like to go to Europe and Middle East and then latest to Asia because they are collecting as well. And we believe the community, the ambassadors, and the and the great number of products will, will, will bring the hype to our platform. And if I'm what I'm scared of, it's hard to find talent. It's not Miami, it's the world, because Web3 is new. And the engineers are, they are really, really, people are seeking the right engineers. And you, you guys know that the right, without the right engineers, we can build the best platform in the world, and we're going to build the best one. So that's what I'm scared of. <laughs> so that being said, there's a lot of opportunity at the same time, since this is such a new industry. Uh, what are some of the opportunities you see and what are some of the opportunities that Kali might provide in the future? I guess um, one of the things is like really having decentralized platforms where people do not need any middleman to, you know, trade their goods and someday it's probably going to be everything <laughs> like you know not only in the luxury sector but like really the most mundane things that we are going to trade on uh, web3 yeah there is a question when are we going to launch the marketplace oh. we are aiming to have a september beta version with like $15 million of values of products, NFT. And holiday season, we'd like to be full and with an inventory of $50 million. So our numbers are great, but without the great products, there will be not enough audience. So we need, we need inventory, we need the NFTs, we need the products and we need the community. And then our goal is to serve them. So where can the people watching right now go to learn more about the project, try the platform out? Uh, maybe if they're watching this down the road, go list or buy items. It's still early days. We are working on the platform. Now, right now we are taking interest and we are onboarding the marketers and the collectors. So that's what we are doing now in the next two, three months, why we are having the development. And you guys will be the first one to know 
when the beta version is out and you could try to mint, buy or trade via NFTs. So we will let you know. Until then, like on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, we are always online. So just shoot us a question or whatever it is. Awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by today uh, and sharing your insights, telling us about Kali. Uh, Super exciting space, Ryan and I. Us hype beasts are very excited for (laughs) it and the future of this luxury NFT hybrid marketplace. Um, Ryan, if you have any final closing thoughts or questions, I'll turn it over to you. If not, I will open up the floor to Akos and Shanti. Uh, Any closing thoughts or remarks or shout outs that you want to give uh, please go ahead. Akosh and Shanti, we should get you guys back on once the beta is launched. Do a live test I on know. your bus. I think that would be really cool. Definitely. We, <laughs> we, we would love to come back. <laughs> absolutely. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And as a, as a final sentence is, guys, hop on. That's the time. <laughs> Yes. Put your items there, uh, connect us, and uh, yes. we will make sure that it will be the safest and the most trustable platform on the planet. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next Friday. Have a good holiday weekend. See you then.